book of Revelation, chapter 22, and I'd like to spend a little time on verse 16 tonight. We looked a little bit at that last Wednesday evening, and I just uh, never got to the I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star like I wanted to, so we'll spend a little time tonight on that. There are some things about this book and all books of the Bible that I'm reminded of. And one, the verse that I would like us to go, keep your finger right here or marker, because we're going to be back here, but just back up three or four, two or three chapters to Revelation 19. Revelation 19 and verse 10. In this passage of Scripture, we find that the uh, Lord gave this message to John. John, uh, uh, he, he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos while he was there. Uh, and I can't help but think that he was just a little bit down being exiled there alone, just maybe had a couple people with him. He'd been preaching the gospel, and he is put on this island for preaching the gospel. And then the Lord came to him one Lord, uh, Lord's Day. He's in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, meditating on the Word of God. And the Lord came to him and gave him this letter. And what uh, uh, just an outstanding uh, blessing he received in being given this letter. But here in chapter 19 and verse 10, he is given this to write down. Now I have to remind myself, and I want to remind us, that John did not write this letter. He was the secretary that took the words down. The Holy Spirit gave him the word. And uh, I'm thankful, and John would be thankful too. He did not get to put his ideas into this book. He was only the secretary. He was the reporter, and he only reported what was given to him. But notice here in verse 10 of chapter 19, and I fell at his feet to worship him. Now, there's quite a section here that goes with this, but uh, he was going to worship as it turns out. And he said unto me, see thou do it not. And in the original language, that is real stern. Don't do this. Don't bow down to me because he's a man. And men have never, those who know grace, those who know God, have never asked anybody to ever bow to them. They have never asked anybody to worship them. That is foolishness. And he goes, I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. That's who we're to worship. Now, we may have very dear respect for people that uh, those who brought us the gospel or those who preached the gospel, we may have a lot of respect, but they're, they're not, and they would not accept it if they're gospel preachers. They'll not accept worship. They don't want that. They, we're just saved out of the same pews everybody else is saved out of. And then he goes on to say, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now prophecy, one person said, is designed to uphold the loveliness of Jesus. All the Old Testament prophets their whole intent was to uphold the loveliness of Jesus. Someone else says the true person of prophecy is the to bear witness of the person and work of Jesus. Every prophet in the Old Testament, that was their ministry. Now, whether they realized it or not, that was the intent of the Holy Spirit, that as they prophesied, their prophecy was concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus all of his glory, his attributes, his ministry, his redemption, his sacrifice, all of those things the prophets in old spoke of. In fact, 
Keeping that in mind, turn with me back to the book of John, John chapter 5, and we find here the Lord spoke of the word that uh, they held in their hand at that time. And once again, I just have to remind myself, they did not have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and the rest of the New Testament. They only had the Old Testament. They only had Genesis to Malachi. And when they preached the gospel, they preached the gospel out of the Old Testament. So the Lord Jesus in John chapter 5 shares a great deal about the subject of the Old Testament when he speaks to a group of Pharisees. Now, people sometimes have a very high regard for this book, just the pages of the book, and a low regard for the Lord of the book. <laughs> no, so it, we, we may... I handed my Bible to a preacher the other day, and he said, man, that's a limp Bible. And I said, what do you mean? He says, it's been used. <laughs> it just, it folds open, you know. God doesn't, I've got a ragged Bible. Someday I'll get a new one. I've known of you. If you had to put your old one up, you hate to because you know where everything is on the page. But you wear it out, you get another one. It's, God's not uh, after us if we wear out the Bible. But he is going to be after us if we have no respect for the author, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit. He is interested in us being in the book, but not disrespecting the author. All right, now, there was a whole group of religious people in the days of the Lord Jesus that had very little respect for the author of the Bible, but boy, did they cling to the law. Whoa, and oh, they, they made sure everybody knew it. <laughs> That's the thing. Now, the Bible tells us if you're going to fast, I'm not going to know about it. The Bible says if you're going to give, I'm not going to know about it. The Bible says if you're going to pray, I'm not going to know about it. That's between you and the Lord. That's why real prayer is in a closet. And the Bible says don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing when it comes to giving. It's not to be show. That's not it. And here, John chapter 5, verse 39, we read these words. Jesus told these people, search the scriptures, Old Testament scriptures. Now, it's true of the New Testament now that we have it, but search the scriptures. Go through the scriptures, read the scriptures, be in the scriptures. For in them, these Pharisees says, ye think you have eternal life by just, well, I believe Exodus chapter 20 to the very flesh and bone. He says, you think you have eternal life just because you've searched. But look, look at this. And they are they which testify of me. He's the spirit of prophecy. All of the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah 53. Can you paint a better mind image of the redeemer of his people than Isaiah 53? Who hath believed our report, and to whom of the, arm, of the arm of the Lord has it been revealed? And goes down through his crucifixion and shares with us all of the agony that it went through. What a prophecy of the beauty of the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus. And Isaiah spent much of his time doing that, sharing with us the problems that come from natural man and by natural man. And then here is that wonderful oasis of grace the Lord Jesus demonstrating through, and the prophet shared with us many years before it came. So they are they which testify of me. Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We're in a great book of prophecy. The book of Revelation 
It's telling forth the glory of God. And he also shared with those Pharisees, when you read the Old Testament, they are they which testify of me. Now, another verse here with regard to this. John 15. What's the ministry of the Holy Spirit today? The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to do one thing first, and everything else falls under this. John chapter 15 and verse 26, the Lord Jesus shares this. But when the Comforter is come, when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth of the, from the Father, he shall testify of me. That's the number one blessing of the Holy Spirit. Now, the rest of that falls under that. He says the Holy Spirit will convince the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Please don't get involved in those areas because they're not our areas. The Holy Spirit will convict or convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. But above that all, the backdrop to everything about the Holy Spirit is He will testify of me. Now, when the Holy Spirit testifies of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit is also being glorified. And the Father is being glorified. We don't go around having special things for the Father and the Holy Spirit because when the Son is placed in the proper place in our life, the Father and the Holy Spirit will also be praised. They get their praise through the Son. And only through the Son. If we negate our praise of the Son, we're not praising the Father. We cannot. And we're not glorifying the Holy Spirit because we cannot. If we leave out the Son, we will not be able to praise the Father and be able to praise the Holy Spirit. All praise is given to the Son and His glory spreads it out. All right. Now, the book of Revelation is filled with words of glory and praise and honor of those beautiful as that one said to uphold the beauties of jesus we've seen the beauties of jesus as we've gone through the book of revelation time and time again the very aspects of him in his great work of redemption and his ministry to redeem his people and bring them spotless to his throne he tells us that over and over in this book now, as we come to the conclusion of that, here in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16, he shares with us some things. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I have a testimony. I have a messenger. And it's going to be taking these letters back to those seven churches of Asia and by the grace of God to us. Now, there were some letters that Paul wrote that were... Letters to churches that were not put in the canon because they were not inspired. If they'd been inspired, they would be here. If they're not inspired, they won't be here. This is the inspired word of God. And that word inspiration means God breathed. It's as you dictating words. God, the Holy Spirit, dictated, passed the words, if you please, over his vocal cords to John here to give. Now, anything that was not given by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Spirit, was not placed in this canon. Everything that was, was placed in this canon, and we have it as it is. All right? Jesus identifies himself as he speaks, 
And we find in this passage of Scripture that this verb testify, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you. There are three other places in this last chapter, excuse me, three places total in this last chapter that this word testify is used. And it means to give the record, to report on what's been given. That's what John was to do, report on what's been given, to testify. Now, in verse 16 of this chapter, as we find it here, and then it tells us in verse 18 of the same chapter, for I testify unto you, every man that heareth the words of this prophecy, the Lord Jesus, he puts on record, the Lord Jesus, John puts on record, Holy Spirit puts on record, I testify, and then in verse 20 says, he which testifieth these things saith, surely I come quickly. The Lord Jesus puts on record. It's here for us. We can go back into the, uh, I like the term the old newspapers had for where the, all the old newspapers were, into the morgue. I, sometimes I've had the privilege of going into the morgue of the newspaper. That's where all the old editions are buried. And if you want to find something out that happened 50 years ago or 100 years ago and was reported, well, this was written 2,000 years ago. And we get to go, by the grace of God, back here, read this, and find out what God sent to those seven churches of Asia and to us. Now, I find, I find very little, very little in this book that points to a specific event in 2011. I find a great deal in this book this point points to an events that took place 2,000 years ago that were going to be a comfort to these seven churches and to us today. I don't find Mussolini in this book or Hitler. I don't find bombs. I don't find that stuff. That stuff is not here because this is the prophecy of the Lord Jesus. It's sharing with us the beauties of the Lord Jesus Christ. And every time we find an opposition we find the master, the Lord Jesus, comes in and takes care of it completely. Nothing is left. He takes care of it. He is the, uh, the uh, lion of the tribe of Judah, and he hath prevailed over those seven seals. He hath prevailed. He has the power to prevail over all things. All right, as we look here, we also find in that verse of Scripture, in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16, Jesus says, I am. Now, we run into this a number of times in the writings of John. John was used by the Holy Spirit to write a number of I am's about the Lord Jesus. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And when those soldiers came to take the Lord Jesus on that day appointed before the world began, was appointed that this would happen on that day. I, I really have, I have an issue with my old, old books that teach that Jesus didn't know what he was doing and he was caught off guard. He purposed what he was doing, predestined what he was doing when he was on this earth. And he did not take one step without it being purposed before the world began. He is like the director of a play. He had it all worked out ahead of time. And we watch him. Everything was a purpose. Everything was a purpose. Now, when those soldiers came that night to take him, they said, Jesus said, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. 
And if you look there, it says, I am. And he has been put in there. I am. And it tells us the next thing that happened, all those soldiers were laying in the dust by his very word, the word of creation, the word of power. By the word of power, he put them down. So they didn't take him. He let them take him. I lay down my life that I might take it up. No man taketh it from me, is what he said about himself. So here, I am. Now, here in the book of Revelation, there are a number of I am's. Chapter 1, verse 8. Would you look there with me? Chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, verse 8. Here we have an outstanding statement about the eternality of the Lord Jesus and the beginner and the ender of all things. It also shares with us some information with regard to I, he is the author and finisher of our faith. Here it says, I am. I am is the self-existent one. No beginning, no end. No father, no mother. No beginning of days, no end of days. That's what we read about this one. The I am. He spoke out of the burning bush to Moses. Tell him, I am that I am have sent you. I'm the self-existing one. I'm the one that has been from eternity and will be for eternity. Now, it's words that I find difficult, but someday I'll understand it. The eternity of God. But I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. He is the, he is the first cause for all things. All blessings of grace flow from Him. He never has any grace outside of Him. He has never had any blessings outside of Him. All spiritual blessings begin with Him. He is the Alpha and He is the Omega. He is the, the author and He is the finisher of our faith. That's another way of saying, I began your salvation and I will complete it. I was there in the beginning and I drew it out as an architect would draw out redemption and I will complete it. I will make sure the last nail is in this house. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Chapters 1, verse 17. We read these words. I am the first and the last. One more time, he gives us. He shares with us. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, I fear not. I am the first and the last. Now, he's not saying that there's something before me. I'm first in that sense. I am the beginning of all things. Nothing that was made was made without the Lord Jesus. He is the life of all things. In him we live and move and have our being. We have no life without him. And he says, I am the first and I am the last. And then we have there in verse 18, I am he that liveth, but am is supplied. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Chapter 2, verse 23. Would you look there with me? Chapter 2, verse 23. I am. I am he which searches the reins and hearts. Let's start the beginning. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. I am he that searcheth. As we read Sunday, if I make my bed in hell, if I make, if I'm a, ascend to the heavens, 
that you are there. You know my down city. You know my uprising. You know everything about me. And here it is with regard to everything that has taken place. Nothing catches God off guard. You know, that's truly God. No surprises. He knows all things from the beginning to the end. He has purposed all things from the beginning and the, to the end. And we are here and we say, see things and we say, you know, why did that happen? Because he purposed all things from the beginning to the end. He moves places. We have no concept of what he's moving for. But he will get every one of his sheep out of every place. And he will get them to hear the word of God or he will take someone there. I was in the doctor's office this afternoon, Dennis' office, and he happened to have a copy of the National Geographic Atlas. Well, I found Papua New Guinea. I thought they only had 500 indigenous language. According to this book, they had 750 indigenous language in Papua New Guinea, which is about the size of the state of Oregon. Can you imagine dividing Oregon into 750 little counties and nobody can understand the language on the other side of the county line? That's what brother, our brother down there has to deal with, Brother Lance Heller. 750 languages and they can't understand. Why? I separated the people according to my purpose is what we find in the book of Acts. Everybody is where I put them. <laughs> 750 languages on one little piece of property. And we have, in America, all of this property. And, you know, we may not be able to understand someone from Maine, but just write it down. We can read the same alphabet. <laughs> That's one benefit. Texas, go to te Louisiana. They still use the same alphabet. All right. Now... Let's look here in verse uh, uh, 22 and verse 16. 22 and verse 16. We just read this. We want to read, oh, 20, excuse me, 21 and verse 6. I want to do that first. 21 and verse 6, as we think of the I am's of the Lord, he said here, and he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. You know, that's his privilege since he is the Alpha and Omega. He can give of the water of life freely. He can bring every one of his lost sheep up to this pool of living water and they will be made to drink and they will drink of the life-giving stream. He is Alpha and Omega. These sheep belong to me and I will find them all. He gave the illustration of a lost sheep out on the mountain. How did he know where to go? It was his sheep, and he knew ahead of time where they'd be. And he found him and brought him in. And there was great rejoicing over one lost sheep that was found. All right. Now, I am the root. Going back to Revelation 22 and verse 16. I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. The offspring of David, the root and offspring of David, as to his deity, he's David's creator. David's line came through God Almighty. We can trace it back. My, there's one line we can go way back on. And we can come way down on. Go to David, you can trace it down to Jesus. Go to David, you can trace it back to Adam. 
This is a line that God protected. I am Alpha and Omega. I will put my hedge around this line because this line is going to bring the Redeemer into the world. I am the root of David. I am the beginner of David. I am the one that brought this line down. I created Adam. Adam had a son, Seth, after the first, that second son was killed and the first son took off to the hinder parts. They had another boy. I have, I'm the Alpha and Omega of this line. I began it, I will end it. And the ending will be the Son of God, born of a virgin in Bethlehem. This whole line is my line. I brought it down through time. I protected it and watched over it. I brought Rahab, the harlot, into this line. I brought others into this line. And here's this line. This, I'm the root of this line. I'm the beginning of this line. I'm the alpha of this line. And this line is the line that is going to bring the redeemer of my people into the world. I am the, as a deity, is God, David's creator. And as to his humanity, he is David's descendant. Now this puts new light on a passage of scripture in the book of Matthew. Would you turn there with me? As we think about, I am the root of and offspring of David. The Lord Jesus asked a question one time. He often did this, and it tells us here that those he asked the question of couldn't answer it. All right? In the book of Matthew, chapter 22, the Lord Jesus asked a question, and it's a question that we ask today. What think you of Christ? What do you think of the Messiah? He asked this question. Matthew, chapter 22, and verse 42. It says in verse 41, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them. Pharisees are gathered together. Now, I had a principal one time. He called uh, students that were not doing the right thing miscreants. It's an English word. These are miscreants. <laughs> They're only here for one purpose. They're going to ask questions and let the Lord Jesus ask them, and he's going to ask them questions, and we're going to see by nature you can't answer them. All right, it says here, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. Now, it's interesting here. Jesus didn't ask if he is the Messiah. Who doesn't say, uh, What think ye of Christ in the sense of, Is there one? No, there is one. What do you think about him? This question is asked today. The Holy Spirit brings it to our mind. What think you of Christ? That's the question that needs to be answered. What do you think of Christ? All right, it says here, He saith unto them, How doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying? Now you say he's the son of David. Now these Pharisees could not understand this, but if you know that he is the root and the offspring of David, there's no problem here, whatever. He is the beginner of David's line, and he is also the son in David's line. That was the purpose. He began the line. He is the son in the line. David in spirit called him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? Now, if you are a Pharisee and you don't know the Lord, 
Whoa, that's one of those really tough ones. We better go back to theology school. But if you know the Lord, and you know that the Messiah came born of a virgin, but he is also the creator of heaven and earth, this isn't a problem. This is just normal. This is God doing his business. Yes, David could say, he is my Lord. And yes, David could say, yes, he is my son. He created me. He created my line. He created the heavens and the earth. But by my line, he has promised that there would be a son born like no other son, born of a virgin without sin and fulfill every prophecy in the Old Testament to its fullest. He is the redeemer of his people. And David said, he is my son. Now, the Lord Jesus is called the son of David, but he is also called the root of David, the beginning of David. Jesus Christ was before the world began. Jesus Christ came in time. He was the creator of heaven and earth. He was the one that spoke the world into existence. He was the one that created Adam in the Garden of Eden. He is the one that created Eve out of Adam. He is the one that started the line. He is the one that said, you know, Abel was a wonderful guy and he was saved by the grace of God, but that's not the line. Seth's my line. Took that line on down. You can just trace it right down through Noah, right down through one of Noah's children, down through time. Comes along, here's Jesse, here's David, here's Solomon. Down through time, you can trace it some more in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. And it goes back to David, back to Adam, back to David and one of them. Here he is. The Son of God has come, born of a virgin, born without man. And goes on to tell us in that verse of Scripture, it says in uh, Matthew 22 and verse 45, it says this. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word. Neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. You know, no man was able to answer him a word. That's the truth. Without Christ, there's just no understanding. How could he? Oh, he can be the creator. We've got the people on the other side. He can be the creator, but he just can't be born of a virgin. Or they say, well, he can't be the creator, but he is man on earth he was a good man but if you are given an inkling of grace he is the god man great is the mystery of godliness god before the world was came in the flesh dwelt among men persecuted downtrodden and yet one of a purpose to the cross and lay down his life a ransom for his church he is not only the Lord of David, but he is the son of David. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, we get these words with regard to him being the root of David. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. I am the root. I am the very beginning. I'm the essence of it. The right, the offspring of David. Here in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 1, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now, that's a long time after David's been gone. But Jesse is David's father. 
And there's going to be a root, a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. What was the purpose of the prophets? The prophecy. Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. The prophets, they wrote to uphold the loveliness of Christ. The words of God fulfilled in his son, the Lord Jesus. Oh, way down the line. Someone's coming along. I like what that one man said about the Bible, thumbnail sketch, Genesis to Malachi, someone's coming. Someone's coming. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, someone's here. Acts to Revelation, someone's coming back. Someone's coming back. The Lord Jesus. All right, 11th chapter of Isaiah, verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. There shall be a root of Jesse, the root of David, and it shall be an ensign to the people. This is a flag. <laughs> this root's going to be a flag of the people of God. This is where we assemble. This is where we are. This is the flag of Almighty God the Lord Jesus. And then in 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah, verse 2, we read this. Isaiah 53, this wonderful mental or mind picture of the great grace of God in giving his son, Isaiah 53, verse 2, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we shall desire him. It's interesting that to many people, Jesus walked in among them. They couldn't recognize him from anybody else. They were getting ready to stone him one time, and he just moved out through the crowd. They didn't pick him up. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? He wasn't, he wasn't obvious. He didn't come with a big crown. He didn't have fine raiment. He was just a regular guy in appearance. In fact, there was... Nothing about him that would attract natural man. In fact, it was so unattractable that they just were willing at any time to have him killed. There was no form, but he was a root out of dry ground. He is the root out of David. He is a root of David. He's a root out of Jesse. These prophecies made throughout the Old Testament with regard to the Lord Jesus. And then he says, not only am I the root of David, but I am the bright and the morning star. Now, I'm not much at staring at the sky in the morning, but there usually is a planet that's brighter than all the rest before, just before the sun comes up. And then the sun comes up. I'm the bright and the morning star. I'm the brightness of the Godhead, in other words. Would you turn with me back to the book of Numbers 24? Numbers 24. This is spoken of in the book of Numbers, chapter 24 that there would be a star out of Jacob. Numbers chapter 24. Numbers 24 and verse 17. The Lord Jesus is called a star. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. Numbers 24 verse 17 and I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. 
there shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. Now this is a prophecy with regard to the Lord Jesus. And a star come out of Jacob. The Son of God is the star out of Jacob. A bright star, a glorious star. This is a, uh, a, a star that represents all the glory of God and the kingdom of God. And in Revelation, going way back over there to the book of Revelation chapter 2, we find out that this star is promised to overcomers. Revelation chapter 2. This is why I just feel this is being brought out towards the end. This is our star. This is the star of God. This is the star of the kingdom. This is the bright and morning star. This is the beauty of the kingdom of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus and all that. But here in the book of Revelation chapter 2, we read here in verse 19, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 19, and at the end of every note made to the seven churches, there's something mentioned about those who overcome. Now, don't think by activity you're going to overcome. Many people have interpreted it that way. That's not the meaning of this word overcome. We'll share that in just a moment. But notice in Revelation chapter 2, verse 26. Revelation 2, verse 26, it says, but, uh, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter, shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of the Father. And I will give him the morning star. Now, who's overcomers? Are they the busy people that are trying to keep the law? No, they're not. That's exactly the opposite of these. Would you turn with me to 1 John chapter 5? John was once again, he was the secretary to write some wonderful words about who are overcomers. Who's going to endure to the end? Who's going to overcome? And uh, seven times there in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, it says, he that overcometh, he that overcometh. Well, here in John chapter 5, 1 John, excuse me, 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, it tells us who are the overcomers. This is important. Who are the overcomers? Is activity involved? Or is a birth involved? A birth is involved. That's the ones that are going to serve the Lord anyway. A birth is involved. Verse 4, 1 John 5. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Now that's overcomers. That's not activity directors. These are overcomers, and they overcome by the new birth. God gives them the grace to overcome. It is his activity in them. It is not works related at all in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 about overcomers. It is just simply making another statement. This is the benefit of the new birth. I will give you the morning star. And we say, well, he's the bright and morning star. Yes, that's who I'm giving. The bright and morning star. 
He promised Abraham in the Old Testament book of Genesis, I am your exceeding great reward. That's what he told Abraham. Here he says, I'll give you the star. I'll give you the morning star. I'll give you the bright and morning star. I'll give you Christ in the new birth. And seven times he mentions things to the seven churches of Asia. He concludes those little notes to them and says to overcomers, I will do this. In this passage of scripture, it shares with us that he, in Revelation there in uh, chapter 2 and verse uh, 28, and I will give him the morning star. I'll give him Christ. Every believer is given the same portion of Christ. And you know how much that is? All. <laughs> He's not divided up. Every believer gets every bit of Christ. I am the, I'll give to them the morning star. This word star is found a number of other places in Scripture. I, the bright, I am the bright and morning star. But I found it very interesting. It's the same word that was used by a bunch of wise men from the East. Where is he that was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star. They followed that star from, some people say, from India. Traveled from India. Now, they might have been on a camel, but you figure the distance from India, you just figure the distance, half the distance to India, on a camel, getting 20 or 30 miles a day, how long they had seen that star in the east that brought them to Bethlehem to see the Lord Jesus at his birth. We have seen his star. Jesus said, I am the bright and the morning star. This was a symbol to these that had been revealed we follow this and we'll find him. That's this about this star. You follow this, you'll see him. Turn with me to the book of, of uh, Matthew, if you would, chapter 2. Three times in a few short verses, the same word is used, but it's always used in this passage of Scripture with regard to those wise men. Now, some people say there were three. And they only say that because there were three different gifts that were brought. It doesn't matter how many people came. I hope the Lord brought 25. Meant that there were 25 wise men in the east. <laughs> Not just two or three. But anyway, however many, there was only three gifts though. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But in Matthew chapter 20, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 2, it says, uh, well, verse 1, And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now that's an interesting statement coming from these that have traveled so far. It had to be revealed to them. Now whether someone went over there and preached the gospel to them, I don't know, but they knew something. Those are the people I want to hear. Some, somebody that knows something, I want to hear them. They knew something. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. I'm the bright and morning star. I can lead my people by my star and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. 
And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes and people together, he, did, he commanded them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea. Boy, those guys that knew the Old Testament, at least they could find that. That's what it was prophesied in the Old Testament. He would be born in Bethlehem. We hear he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem, for thus it is written in the prophet, or by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. They saw there the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over the young child where the young child was. When the st they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They saw the star, they saw the star, and they saw the star, and this is the same word that is, I am the bright and morning star. Boy, this star led them to where the young child was, the king of Israel. Not Herod, not through his line, but through divine line. I am the king of Israel. They saw his star. And the Lord Jesus revealed to us in this passage of Scripture, Oh, I am the root and the offspring. I am the beginner of David's line, and I come through David's line. I am his Lord. I am his son. And the people say, I don't understand it, but I sure do believe it, because that's how the Messiah got here. That's how my Redeemer arrived, was through that line. It was promised. He couldn't come through any other line. Because God said that's the line he's going to come through. He is the root and the offspring of David. And then he says, I'm the bright and I'm the morning star. I'm the star that leads my people to me. I am the gospel that brings my people to me. I am the leader of my people. I'm the attractor of my people. I am, as I, I can't imagine... Old Moses going out through, through the wilderness one day, just following a, or leading a whole flock of sheep. And here is a piece of sagebrush. Now, it doesn't say it was sagebrush, but I spent a lot of time in eastern Oregon where there's a lot of sagebrush. And here's a, a bush on fire that is not consumed. And the Lord, or Moses said, you know, I think I'll turn aside and see what this is. And he went over there. And I am spoke to him out of that bush. I won't send you down to Egypt, and I'm going to use you to set my people free. Now take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. I am the root. I'm the very beginning of David's line, Adam. And the covenant of grace before that, and I am the son that shall come through the Lord. Jesus says... What think you of Christ? Whose son is he? Oh, he's David's son. Well, David said, he's my Lord. How can he be the son? Well, he is. David's line brought the son into the world, the perfect, righteous, holy 
one. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. Now one verse I want to read before we close, and that's found in 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, and this happens to everyone that he regenerates. It happens in a spiritual way. You don't see a star out there in the heavens like happened many years ago, but the Lord does cause something to take place. 2 Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. It says here, Nine, okay, verse nine. No. Well, it says here somewhere that uh, he's the day dawn, the light that rises in our hearts. Maybe that's First Peter chapter two and verse nineteen. Nope. Well, we may have to have D next time. <laughs> Bring a verse. I thought I had the correct one here. Second Peter chapter two. Verse 19. No. Well, I'll have to look it up. I apologize. Talks about a day dawn, a day star, a dawn raising, rising in our hearts. One nineteen, okay. Second Peter one nineteen. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Now a literal translation, until the day dawns and the light-bearing one rises in your heart. The day star arise in your heart. Just another word for the new birth. Day star rising in your heart. We're in darkness, got light. All right, we'll stop there. Lord willing, next Wednesday we'll pick up here with verse 17 and... Look at that. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely.